Oh, uh, one sec. I'm going to close my door because people are walking through the hallway. Oh, I have to take the headphones off. Oh, no. What a shame. How sad for you. Now he can't hear us, to be fair, so. <laughs> Welcome to Tanked Up, the podcast about video games and craft beer. I'm Ben Oda, and this week I have a returning Adul Kurji. Hello! And a long time gone, Lucy Eward. <laughs> Hello. Hello. How are you, Lucy? You good? I'm good, I'm good, I'm fantastic. Nice, nice. Yeah. Adul, how are you, man? I'm great. I'm also Sonny <laughs> the Tiger. Been eating your Frosties, good, good. <laughs> Uh, this week we have beers and we have topics. Things have happened, things have gone on that we want to discuss. Um, before we get into the topics themselves, our first beers for the evening. I think, Adol, you and I have collaborated slightly. And we have the same beer as the first beer. That is correct. It is the Wild Beer Company's Wild Goose Chase. It's a farmhouse bale. Bale? Farmhouse Pale, uh, Gooseberry, and it's Zingy. Nice. Um, uh, You're trying to work out where on the bottle the flavor text yeah, for the beer starts, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, because the uh, last time I, I read their entire like standards spiel, and that was really long. So, yep. drink wildly different. We thought we would never make this beer exactly as we wanted. In fact, it felt like a bit of a wild goose chase. The all-day wild beer... Tart and fruity, yet well-hopped and drinkable. We have been chasing this beer since we started the brewery and love this combination. Juicy tart gooseberries and our own culture of wild yeast from local orchards gives this a gentle acidity, whilst complimentary hops and a generous dry hop enhance the fruitiness and give a light but moorish bitterness. Excellent. Nice. Lucy, what are you kicking off with? Um, I am first kicking off with a Crafty Devil... Ooh. Melon golden ale. Nice. Melon, not something I usually see in beers. Um, this is apparently, I think it might be um, a series, but it says Welsh Rugby Legends, and it's actually dedicated to Geffen Jenkins, whose um, nickname is The Melon, apparently, which I never knew. But, really? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is, a, this is a hoppy golden melon ale, fruity fresh and full of zest. Um which is, well, it was the perfect partner to, I guess, last year's Autumn International Series. But, um, yeah, it's dedicated to Geffen Jenkins, which is interesting. So, crack that open and see what that's like. Nice. Uh, Adol, let's, let's jump back to you. Have you had a chance to sniff? Uh, um, yeah. The beer. The beer. Yeah. Um, that, that zingy-ness it's very is zingy. there. Um the it's a it's cloudy because um, I think all of wild beers are, are unfiltered. Um, it's not too cloudy, but it is cloudy. Um, yeah, it's a little. I think we 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 said it about another beer a few weeks ago. It's hazy, isn't it? It's got a little yes. bit of a haze to it. That is exactly it. Yeah, I'm getting quite a lot of um, sort of lemony zing, but I'm guessing yes, that's definitely the tart, and it's probably the gooseberry. Mm-hmm. 
Um, how about the taste? I see that you've uh, got it to your... I, I've not. I've, oh, I've, I've, just, I've basically just had my nose deep into, deep into the glass, yes. Flavour-wise, it's... Ooh, it's nice. It's, it's got a little bit of a... It's kind of almost a sour, light beer. You know, we've, we've mm. occasionally had sours and... They're very sour, they're very zingy, they're very fruity, and they're not kind of the, the, the beers that I'd normally drink. But this is almost like a sour light. You have yeah. a, a nice, refreshing kind of zinginess to it. It's very citrusy. Yeah. You don't get a huge amount of, of the hops or the bitterness yet, but I've only had a, a small sip. Yeah, I would, I would definitely have to agree with that. It's, uh, it's, it's, it, it's got that tart hit really strong but like luckily i think one of the things that does different than a sour is it the tartness is really strong but it's like a flash like it 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 fades Mm. reasonably quick yeah um and so you don't get all the sours tend to just linger and then you have that that taste that just sort of stays and your mouth is like i'm I'm done with this this is not beer while yes with the tartness of this it fades and you get to taste you get more of the base the beer tastes um, right afterwards. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Lucy, how you, how's the crafty devil? Uh, I'm not getting too much melon fruit, like even in the aroma. But I can it definitely smells fruity, tastes yeah. fruity, quite hoppy, a little bit of zingy. Um, towards the end, it's quite a smooth aftertaste. You're not getting mm. so many hops at the um, at the end, but it's nice. I mean, it's light, it's refreshing. Um, and what's the ABV? It's have a look. It's four point four, so it's quite a light session session ale. So nice. It's, Good. Um, you getting any? You getting any geth in from it? <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, not not too much of the melon. You know, it's a quite understated, if anything. But okay. it's still a nice. You know, I well, it's golden ale. It's nice. Good. You could class this as a session ale, IPA yep. or something like that. So, yeah, it's nice. Excellent. Right, let's enjoy these. Um, we're going to open the show with uh, our first topic. Oh, because Lucy has done what only a handful of people have done. With a handful. You've played the, with a handful, yes, and you've played the Nintendo <laughs> Switch. I did. Um, it's part of its UK tour. When, when you, any of these things are like... UK tour, it means probably about three cities that live in the And if you live in the vicinity, then good job for you. But if you don't, going to either be travel or just wait until launch. But yeah, they came to Birmingham um, it last weekend. Yeah, it was last weekend. I think it was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday they were there. Mm. And they were, it was a two hour um, sort of slot that everybody got um, in, the, in this warehouse. They had about uh, they had quite a few demo stations, probably per that two-hour session, probably about 100 people in. So um, everyone had a chance to rotate on the games. Everyone had, you know, th- there were no, no queues, no no waiting as such. Oh, wow. So okay. everyone got a fair share of um, time on each of the games. Um, nice. So, so organised quite well. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty reasonably done. It's like, because obviously I don't think the, the reps who were there were work for Nintendo, I, I, I'm thinking they were probably just volunteers. Yeah, um, or, just, or a PR you know, contracted. people, yeah. 
Exactly, yeah. So, but it was really well organised. Um, as soon as you walked in, they gave you a time slot to play Zelda. So, you know, one of the hottest games that and most anticipated games of the year that you'd probably mm. have to wait eight hours to play another show. Everyone got their ten minute slot, which was nice. So, but yeah, it was really well organised. Um, the games there were so apart from Super Bomberman R, um, what was there was One Two Switch, mm. the Clamps, mm. which I called nipple clamps that's all i think about <laughs> when i hear nipple clips but there you go um splatoon 2 mario kart 8 legend of zelda breath of the wild and i think that's it arms if, if there's any, arms yes arms that's yes. the one yes yeah I knew there was one missing yeah so it was what five six games that were there yeah odd that there's no bomber man mm. yeah because i've I I mean, I'm what you can call a Bomberman fan. I don't even know what that means anymore because I haven't been any in ages. So. Yeah. But it's like I would have played that. It's like, I don't think I'd have paid £50 for it on launch. But, you know, it would have been nice if it was there, but it must have been, you know... Well, I guess it was only first-party Nintendo games. I'm not sure about Snipper Clips, if, if that's first party or not. Or no, I don't know, actually. Second party. I, I don't know, actually know who... The, I think... the it's an indie developer, but I don't know if um, is, Nintendo um, to, have actually snapped them up. To talk about the one game that wasn't there, is mm. Bomberman Konami still? Because wasn't it Hudson Soft and didn't Konami? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They bought them out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah it's but, yeah. So I'm guessing, you know, they probably want to show it off of whatever what Konami and never going to have a show again. So well, yeah, I don't that's know, strange. True. Yeah. But Weird one. Maybe it's, maybe it's not quite done, even though we're, what, three mm. weeks away from That's launch? true, actually. I'm not sure if it's definitely a launch game. I I, I know it's... I'm, I'm sure it is. Okay. In Japan, at least. Maybe not over in the UK or America, it might not be. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It's launching March 3rd, and it is a Konami game. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Is Good that checking. worldwide, or is that in Japan only? Or does it not oh, even say? Uh, I was just going... It's off the EU Konami website, so... In the, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so it is a launch game, maybe. It must be some, something to do with Konami and publishing deals and something. That's yeah, I mean, I've, I've not seen anything of Bomberman, really. Um, mm. So it'd be interesting to see whether it keeps the sort of original formula. Yeah. I th- I, from the footage I've seen, it looks like it does. Yeah. It doesn't look like it changes it up too much, so yeah. Yeah, that goes. It's um, nice. It's uh, it, they their website's actually quite interesting because uh, it, they go Bomberman thirty third since nineteen eighty three. There's not been that many Bomberman thirty third game. Yeah, what? apparently. Oh no. I mean, there's all, been all these like weird like spinoffs and stuff, but like, yeah, yeah, that's crazy because there's there's been a... probably about fifteen pachinko machines. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Touche. They do love it. They do love it. So, um, the, the the event. What was your what was your favourite game while you were there? I think my favourite was Sniffer Clips, but that's just probably a game that is you know just up my alley. It's a nice little um, game. It's a co-op game where you just have to like you have two different characters and you have to sort of cut like different um pieces of them so they fit into different shapes and 
can do different things, you know, and all that. It's kind of hard to explain, so if you haven't seen any footage, go watch that. It, it seems like the most probably underrated game that was yeah. probably there and probably in the launch lineup, but I think the biggest surprise for me was ARMS. I mm. think that game has... Has legs. I think there's probably... Yeah. <laughs> I think it is actually going to have legs. I mean, pro- probably not to the point where, like, Splatoon, it, it's, it's become, like, you know, almost an eSport in its own right and everything, but I think there's a surprising amount of depth to that game that you wouldn't think from first glance. Um, basically, it's something that you use the Joy-Con controllers with. Um, I'm not sure if you can just play it normally. I doubt you can. I think... The whole point is to use it with the Joy-Con, but uh, it's basically holding up your hands, you know, um, tilting them inwards to, like, block or, you know, um, pu- pushing them out to grab people, etc., etc. But it's it's all about, you know, psyching out your opponent and blocking at the right time, grabbing at the right time, punching yeah. at the right time. But it's fun, it's colourful, it's, it's actually something that, you know what, I'll probably never get it, but it's to even get that consideration, which... A lot of the games there don't have from me yet because mm. a lot of them are just Wii U ports. Like Mario Kart Eight is going to be yep. that. Um, Zelda, not my kind of game, but I can see the promise with that. I, I think out of everything, it's all about Zelda, to be honest. Though, mm. but um, yeah, Arms is pretty surprising, you know, in terms of its depth, and I think people pick that up and actually enjoy it. Um, the most miserable 45 seconds of my life was playing 1-2-Switch. Uh, <laughs> really? It was... When you think, why is this not a packing game? I'm actually glad it isn't, because it's like, this is just this is just taking up space on on, on the hard drive or something like that. It's, it, it's so pointless. It's like, what? why does this exist? Why? It's like, it's not even a fun party game so, at all. So did you play it's with like, other people? I, I only played one, because I, I think there was only two there. So you yeah, said so, that there's but, only two games yeah, off of 1-2-Switch. Yeah, two there. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, surely you'd show your best two games. One was the cow milking one. Didn't bother with that. Mm. Um, the other was the ball count. The one where you hold the Joy-Con and you tilt it around to see how many balls are in a box. Yes. But it wrong almost every single time. But that's not the point. It's like, this is just boring anyway. This is not fun. Yeah, Even... it kind of it kind of comes across more as a, a demo, as sort of tech, technical tests, yeah. Just to show you the capabilities of the the Joy-Con and what the what the system can do, exactly. Yeah. Rather than any actual sort of game, I mean, it's not like WarioWare. Yeah, I don't no, think, no, it, not, like as no. you were saying, it's probably not that fun of a party game, and to, that's what WarioWare has always been. So. Mm. It'd be interesting to know if it ever had WarioWare as sort of a, a, a working title over it and whether they mm. pulled that away because they wanted, cause it was going to be something slightly different or yeah. they know that it's just sort of technical tests. Um, would be would be interesting to know. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's like a Mario party game or Wii Sports or something, but n- none of those games ever appealed to me anyway. Yeah. But... I mean, there will be people who buy this, but I was actually just watching like Giant Bomb play, and it it was generally funny, but it's what it was all the innuendos they were making about the, sh- yeah. the cow milking game. It was just everything like that. But 
that wears off and that won't last the you know won't last there's no longevity to it and it's I don't I don't know who'd buy this. I mean people who are gonna buy Nintendo Switch on, on launch day are the people who are switched into Nintendo and who are for want of a better word, hardcore gamers. I don't see anyone going, Oh, that looks fun, I'm gonna spend three hundred pounds on this thing just to play this. It doesn't make yeah. any sense and I don't know, it's just one of those anomalies that we'll probably forget about in three years, like Fighter Within. Remember that Ubisoft game? The I fighting do. Connect one that that launched with the Xbox One. It's yeah. terrible. But um, we'll just forget about it like that, I guess. Do you do you think that you know, you said you were watching Giant Bomb play and that was quite funny, but it it, mm. it was more sort of their reaction to the game. And exactly. I know that Nintendo haven't put it in yet. It's not going to be available at launch, um, but sort of sharing videos and capturing videos and things. Mm. Uh, I know, I think screenshots is available at launch, but maybe not video. Yeah. But do you think that maybe 1-2-Switch is kind of aimed at that sort of streaming... I sort of what making I... video kind of content for people to watch and, and, and laugh at other people playing it almost. The thing is, is that I don't think 1-2-Switch is even played on the the Switch itself. It's just, it, it, you only get videos of tutorials and that's it. There's no actual game that you view on the screen. It's all done with the Joy-Con. Mm. And in the real world, it's like, there's no... Apart from like um, like Mario Party, you get you go across the board and you roll dice, etc. Yeah. Other than that, there's nothing. So to actually record you actually playing the game, it'd have to be done on a separate system, like your iPhone record off that. So yeah, you'd need a camera like, setup yeah. and, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but so I think it's definitely a party game, and purely you need people over there to play, etc. But one of the um, loopholes that someone pointed out is that it, it's a lot of it is based on sound. Like, okay. um, like I was watching, like the, the, there's a baseball one. So basically, one player like pitches the ball, and the other has to listen to the sound like a swoosh sound, and mm. then that's their cue to hit it. If you're in a noisy party full of drunk people or something like that, you're not going to be able to hear that. Yeah. So. It's like it's it just negates its own purpose almost immediately, calling it a party game. It's, is you're not going to be able to play half the games that are on it. Um, so let's 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 be talking about one two switch, which kind of relies on the Joy Con so much. Let's talk about the Joy Cons themselves. Um, mm. I kind of I want to know sort of how comfortable you felt about it. But firstly, is there as with the uh, with the PlayStation DualShock Four? Is there a speaker on the Joy-Con and is there a headphone socket? So you're saying that you've got to, with 1-2-Switch, listen to the sounds from the games to help yeah. you. Is the Joy-Con built for that? Um, it's got a small speaker. Yeah. Very very small speaker. So I don't know if you, you're able in the settings to increase the volume i'm not sure because no one's really dipped into the ui or yeah yeah you know those kind of internal systems so i'm not sure but um in terms of comfort i mean the, the, i it's a tricky thing because when they're attached to the switch itself um so you're in undocked mode but they're on the side of the switch 
it's it's quite comfortable. Um, I've got quite large hands, and like the Vita, my hands get cramped up on that really quickly. Same for mm. 3DS. Um, I didn't play the Switch for an extended amount of time, but even you know, say like three four hours, depending on how long the battery lasts, it doesn't feel like it would get that uncomfortable. So in that respect, they are comfortable. But when you take them out to and to another person and you're playing in two player mode. Jeez, I mean, that's not an ideal way to play. So you're going to have to get a, you're going to have to use a Joy-Con grip or get another Pro controller or something because. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've heard this circulating about, you know, the, the Twitter sphere or whatever. There's always going to be one player who's more uncomfortable because of the way that they're they're shaped. Um, you know one of them the joy joystick is really close to like the directional buttons and it's it's even a smaller space to navigate around so one is really uncomfortable more so than the other mm. and that's not an ideal way to play but i, I don't know I, I don't know depending on your circumstances you may not ever have the need to play for another person so i mean for me Personally, I'm probably just going to use this like I do my Vita or 3DS, my own personal handheld device, and yep. play it. Maybe not even on the go. Maybe just at home whilst watching something on the TV. Yeah, I, so. I would think a lot of people are probably buying it for Zelda as well. Oh yeah. What was interesting is when there was probably about ten TVs playing Zelda, and the thing is that you could either play it on the TV or you could play it undocked. Mm. Um, on the on on the tablet. Um, at one point, I'm because it was um you know, it was a certain time slot, and it's like between ten and ten past ten. Ten people went in there, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So as I was watching people after me play it, um, in their ten minute slots, what was interesting was at one point everyone was playing it off the TV. Everyone mm-hmm. was playing it on the handheld, and then in the next wave of people everyone was playing it on the TV and no one played it on the handheld. Really? So it's, I think it's quite an even split how people are actually going to play this. Some people are going to consider it as a handheld like me. Others are going to view it as a console that will go next to their Xbox or PlayStation. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. Good, good. Um, Adol, have you got any questions about the Switch? Um, I, I guess uh, the the one thing that you haven't immediately touched on is um, any sort of remorse or regret on your pre-order, or like you, nice. you haven't really you've spoken about mm. being sort of unimpressed, but uh, obviously the library games you saw was was very small. Is this worrying yeah. you at all as the anti-pre-order queen? <laughs> I have pre-ordered a, a unit. Um, did it straight away. The thing that impresses me the most and probably even before I got my hands on it is the hardware itself everyone probably think oh yeah in terms of a console you've got PS4 and Xbox One which are far more powerful doing far more you know um, capable things and and in terms of and in terms of um, handheld you you know everyone's like Vita was was a thing except that it failed so the hardware it re- is really impressive, and it's so small. Um, it's even smaller than you even imagine. Even the dock, um, the dock is probably barely bigger than my 3DS XL, and it's like 
because I was thinking, where am I going to find space for this in my entertainment unit? Mm. It's literally so small that's not even an issue. So the tech alone, considering how big the Xbox One is, the original one, it was like bigger than a VCR. Yeah. Fit that amount of tech in something so small is pretty impressive to me. The thing what, where I can see this all going belly up is the software, and that was the same for the Vita. I don't know if people are going to develop for this thing, but I'm going into my pre-order and buying it day one, knowing that I'm not going to be upset if I don't get the next Metroid on it or something like that. I'm prepared for that because, hey, it's Nintendo and all that, but if I get a few indie games on it, then job done. I mean, my 3DS is literally my box boy machine. Don't pay anything else on it. So, if but that's the thing. It's a you know it's a fairly substantial financial investment if you're not willing to take take a bet on it flopping and there's not much for it. Yeah. Sort of like the Vita, then don't do it. But I think where it's got leverage over the Vita is that Nintendo don't really have anywhere else to to go to put their first party games. They're not going to put everything on 3DS, no matter how many ports go over there. Yeah, the next true. Zelda, the next Mario, etc. They're all going to be on this. Whereas PlayStation always had the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4 to put first-party games on it. So mm. I think it, I think it's going to maybe not a runaway success, but I think it's going to do fine. You know, cool. it'll do better than the Wii U. Not as good mm. as the Wii, but it's somewhere somewhere in between. Yeah, I, I don't think anything's um, ever going to do the Wii. Yeah, no, gonna, well, exactly. yeah, nothing's ever going to do the Wii, but I don't think anything's ever going to do as badly as the, the Wii U. <laughs> yeah. It'll do better than the GameCube, you know? I think yeah. it'll probably do just worse than the maybe the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, that sort of momentum. It won't have, the, obviously, the longevity they had, because that was like eight years or something mm, like that, but mm. I think for the first couple of years, it'll probably do steady sales like that, so... Cool, nice. Um, let's move on from Nintendo to something much darker. First, a stout? beers. Yeah, well, no. No, <laughs> not a stout. That would be a lot darker. Um, let, let's, let's kick into our second beers for the, um, for the evening. I have picked up a Bristol Beer Factory Heifer, a German-style wheat beer. There's not any flavour text on the bottle. So I can't tell you much. It's 4.8%. Um, it just says refreshing, zesty, and spicy. Ooh, spicy. Yeah. Let's get that one going. Lucy, what are you drinking next? I am drinking a Big Mouth Session IPA from the Yeasty Boys. Ooh. Um, down in Australia, I believe. That's yeah. where they brew their beers. Yep. And what it says, it's a light and easy drinker. Bursting with sun-kissed South Pacific hops. Like an Antipodean summer, packed in a can. It's 4.4%. So another session IPA. Nice. That's it. Uh, Adam, that's, you're um, not... My third time Tanked Up has uh, had Antipodean as a um, descriptor. Yes, it, <laughs> it is. It is. It's a nice word. Like yeah, I think um, Ben and I, the first time we came, we came across it, could not really remember what it meant and, and, and waxed <laughs> lyrical about what it might mean. And then we were wrong. Um, <laughs> I couldn't um, find the heifer in my local uh, bottle shop. Um, so instead, I uh, grabbed the Bristol Beer Factory Independence, their U.S. Pale Ale. 
which nice. I think we may have done before, but I couldn't remember. Um, uh, I don't think we've done it on the podcast, but I've definitely had it before. Uh, um, it, yeah. It's a very nice beer. Um, I've had it. Uh, I, I went to a, a party um, and they had it in the bar that I went to. Um, and it was definitely the best choice of beer in the bar that I went to. So I ended up having about 12 of them in one night, I think. <laughs> and they come in very big bottles as well. Suffice to say, I spent the yeah. weekend feeling rubbish afterwards. But um, So it's, uh, yeah, it's a half-liter bottle. It's uh, 4.6%. Dry hopped with Citra, Amarillo, and Galaxy. Um, and that's basically all it says. Cool. So, Short yeah. and sweet. Yeah, as they as um, their descriptors what, normally are. Um, and so it's quite uh, carbonated for uh, even for a British craft beer. Um, like you can still see the bubbles uh, sort of forty seconds after it um, it was poured. It didn't generate too much of a head. It's it's more. It's quite more. Um, it's much more cloudy than the previous beer and has a sort of light amber honeyish look. Hmm. Um, nice. I, I can I can see that Lucy's Lucy's is um, completely different. That's very light. Yeah, like a light yellow straw coloured look to it. Yeah, it's nice. It's it's zesty. You can smell the fruit straight away, more mm. so than the um, crafty devil melon ale. Um, yeah, really zesty, really hoppy, quite light, refreshing. It's a nice one. Nice session. IPA. Good, good. Um, the, 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 the heifer that I have um, is uh, a lot more sort of honey-coloured. It's darker than the uh, than yours there, Lucy. It's very clear as well, um, but it's a nice sort of amber, honey-coloured bit. Um, it, it is spiced. You, you get that straight away. You kind of get the, the, the sweet sort of maltiness um, straight away, but there's kind of like a, a cardamom sort of overtone really it yeah. kind of sits throughout the whole beer and goes goes from the fall all the way through to the to the end of the taste and it's neither of these beers that i've had tonight are are dry in any way um mm. they, they they've got a very nice um a very nice finish to them that sort of sits there and neither of them have i thought i need to you know keep drinking this i could i could very easily sort of sit there with both of these beers and just allow the afternoon to disappear um, yeah, and, and just enjoy Excellent. them really. Yeah, one of those very nice. Is it quite rich? It is. Yeah. It's. I mean that that spiciness kind of dominates it really. Hmm. But you you do have a, a richness sort of straight away. Sort of that yeah. that first sort of that first taste as soon as you you, you sip um, is very rich and. It's 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 a kind of like a complex sweetness, I suppose. Okay. Um, I, I, I guess balanced out by the by the spiciness um, of it. Um, but yeah, enjoying this. So let's let's get into our second. What if I wanted topic. to talk about how how my beer tasted instead of just? Oh, how sorry. It did you? You just talked about how it looked. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Please oh. continue, sir. It's fine. I apologize. It's fine. I mean. I'm sure Bristol Beer Factory had enough um, of uh, attention on on their one beer that they would care less about the other one's taste. 
Uh, one, its nose is quite um quite fresh, a little bit of citrus, um kind of that um like a light, um not overbearing washing up liquid. Okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There's a little sort of uh, citrus there, perhaps. Yeah, just a light citrus, um, but luckily it doesn't taste like washing up liquid, so that's a plus. Nice. It's um, it's got quite hoppy. You can definitely taste that there's more than one hop in there. Um, oddly enough, it's also uh, it doesn't it doesn't really dry out. It actually leaves you with a mm. bit of a watery finish. Um, okay. Your mouth feels kind of moist afterwards, which is interesting because you still have the bitterness of the hops um fading through with the wateriness, which is not something I often sort of bump into. So it's quite drinkable, but it's not one that like. You feel the urge to drink right away because you, because your mouth is drying out. It's just um, sort of sits nicely um, with with some lasting. But um, I think it's a nice balance of uh, I could have another sip when I want one versus I could have another sip for other reasons that in the past weeks yeah. we've seemed to have bumped into quite a bit. Hmm. Nice. Anyway, you were Good. saying a new topic. A new topic. Um, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hand over to Adol to. Uh, to talk us through what we're going um, to discuss, which is um, the, the the nature of YouTubers. No, it's not quite that uh, broad. But Adol, please tell us how much of a cunt PewDiePie is, please. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So say, I'll hand it to Adil, I'll skirt around it, and then I'll steal this thunder at the last second. And, <laughs> and I'm a dick. No, I'm just joking. Uh, the dick here is PewDiePie. And what I think, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows that um, PewDiePie had a um, video where he paid, ostensibly critiquing the service Fiverr, where you're going to spend five pounds to pay people in the world to do whatever you want uh, towards creative media. Um, and he chose to show showcase this by making a video uh, of him asking, uh, putting it up, um, the request for someone, the people to write on a sign, kill all the Jews, um, and then he paid two uh, Indian men, uh, like men in India, um, to do this, and they the recorded a video of them holding up the sign in, in, a, in a place. Uh, and and this was ostensibly because look how crazy it is that you could just pay people five pounds to do this reprehensible thing, uh, and he sort of uh, on the video which was uh, has been taken down for a while now he was sort of oh my god I can't believe they did that uh, and that was the t- the take he took on it. Unfortunately, this isn't the first time he's invoked Nazi imagery, um, whether to to for shock value or to. Uh, respond to people saying that he's uh, an anti-Semite. He still has had a series of videos that have anti-Semitic Nazi imagery. Because of that, Disney uh, and YouTube both dropped their contracts with him uh, as Disney Sub Studio was in charge of the Scare PewDiePie series and season two was in the middle of filming and that's no longer going to be a thing. And then the fancy YouTube boutique um, selection channel has also dropped uh, PewDiePie despite him being the biggest YouTuber. And um, that's those are the facts, uh, if you somehow miss them. But what we want to talk about is the reaction of people, the very Gamergate-esque, this is censorship, knee-jerk, defend PewDiePie, he's clearly not an anti-Semite type thing, sort of missing the point of 
you don't have to be anti-Semitic to say anti-Semitic things. And, uh, uh, you know, we've been on, we're uh, members of different gaming communities, and this has been all across the way. Um, one of PewDiePie's friends uh, is a Jewish, of Jewish descent, and uh, a big YouTuber on H3 Productions, or whatever they're called. And he basically said, I'm Jewish, I'm not offended, so go fuck yourselves, Wall Street Journal. This is a takedown piece. Um, and, uh, what I find really interesting, and I think is sort of the most neutral part, is this idea that reporting that he was dropped by two studios isn't news and is clearly slander. So if you read the Wall Street Journal piece, which was the biggest and first of the big uh, pieces on it, um, they basically said he has had Nazi imagery and he has been dropped and there have been complaints. And they also had on their channel a, a sort of supercut of all the Nazi imagery, which, again, mm. didn't have some context, but at the same time was all of the Nazi imagery he's had. So I guess the first thing I wanted to say was, is it slander to say he was dropped when he was well, dropped? Well, if it's, if it's a, a fact about something that has happened, no. <laughs> right? That's that's not. Well, I think that's how the law works. So I just wanted to get that uh, that that one out of the way. I think we're all on the same page. Um, but I think it's worth pointing out that the fact that the narrative of these PewDiePie defenders is that it's slander and libel, and if you actually look at the headlines, even the like clickbait headlines, they all just say PewDiePie dropped for anti-Semitic joke, and. People are like well, that's slander. It's like, well, no, he was dropped for his anti-Semitic jokes, mm, mm. Um, or jokes that were seen as anti-Semitic. That that's not that's just a fact. I think they're, they're, the most of the responses then immediately conflate the idea of he made an anti-Semitic joke with he's an anti-Semite, and then they proceed to defend things like one of the uh, one of his videos he. Um, cut in one of Hitler's speeches and then it cut out to him um, wearing a sort of uh, German military uniform and smiling afterwards. And that was his response to being called a Nazi. So people are like, well, this is clearly, a, like, he's he's making fun of people calling him a Nazi by pretending to be one. But, like, that's all well and good, but you still paid someone to say, like, you still did these things, and that is apparently the reason why. So, I don't care. Like it seems like these are two issues. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 odd, isn't it? Because satire is it can be very easy or very it, to pull off satire. It's kind of got to be the right tone, hasn't it? And to sort of say, "Oh, it's it's a joke," especially the whole um, you know cutting a Hitler speech and then stand there in a Nazi uniform. You can you can understand that maybe he thinks that that is satire, but it, it it's kind of just backing up the idea that he's maybe just a bit of a dick. He doesn't quite understand sort of the maybe the offence that he's causing by doing these things, and it's 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 difficult because obviously we don't know what he's thinking you, you, we can't tell we can only judge him by what we've seen and what he's released i mean it, this isn't just sort of him being caught saying something or or doing something these are videos that he has made 
It's content that he has put onto the internet for people to see. So he's public, he's pushing himself and representing himself in a specific way. And whether he thinks that that's satire versus whether it is satire is, is sort of another question, which is kind of unanswerable, I suppose. Well, and also yeah. beside the point of like, people were offended and complained. Then the the capitalist-based companies decided that it wasn't worth keeping him around for that because it wasn't going to make them more money. We're talking about Disney, right? Mm, Disney, mm. who is also Marvel, who is also Lucasfilm's Disney. They're they're not. They didn't decide to do this because they're a bunch of social justice warriors who just don't like the idea. So to to be like, well, he he was being satirical. You guys are assholes. It's like, well, we're just saying he got dropped for making these jokes explicitly. He yeah, made these yeah. jokes. So I find that really weird. And and like most of the defenses, well, he's not a Nazi. He was making a joke, but it sort of belies the idea that like maybe jokes can hurt and bad taste can be done it yeah. with it. Like you can have an offensive joke without the intent because there's like it's not clear or it's just it's it's a terrible joke if you're gonna try and test fiverr um and and his his excuse was oh well you know i just tried to think of the most absurd thing to see if they would do it right yeah because my point is i'm i'm making fun of fiverr it's like well one you've already had trouble with being called a nazi you've gone to the anti-semitic well before or the nazi imagery well we'll say uh so one it's lazy two you know it's you you've experienced that it's it's gotten you into trouble, and you also when they did it, you chose to continue to create the video, so you can't claim innocence because this wasn't a live yeah, stream, yeah. right? You produced True. a video that said that showed two people making "kill all Jews" sign, and then you reacted to it, but like all of that was pre-programmed shit. Like, no, you you yeah. clearly knew what you were doing to a certain extent, and you can't play this card of I didn't think they would do it when you they did it, and then you chose to continue. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too educated about PewDiePie because I don't dislike the guy. It's just the fact that I've never watched any of his videos and I don't really know much about him. But, um, I mean, I did read an article on Wired about this and it's like they're basically saying, are you really that surprised given that he's had so much controversy in the past? But, um, I mean, I don't think it's surprising that disney would drop them because they're such a you know they're such a family and public facing company why would they align themselves with anyone whether they're racist or not who would take the risk of you know putting up nazi imagery or stuff like that and it's like they don't they don't need that grief as a deal said that they they've got enough money they don't need money from pewdiepie uh, he's got enough money he probably doesn't even need them at, yeah. at the same time but it's like, given the fact that, as I say, I don't know too much about his channel, but just reading, you know, the, sh- the article that I-, I read, it just seems that his channel is not so much all about video games. It's more about just the way, you know, online society is now, just things, with, you know, shock things to just, you know, make people have a reaction or see, I, I didn't, know, I didn't even know like he that. was making all of these kinds of videos I just thought he was the guy either. that screamed at scary 
scary games. That's what I thought. I was yeah. like, how how is there any Nazi Im- imagery or anything like this when all he does is make funny noises? I thought he just <laughs> made funny noises for like half an hour and that was it. So that's the only snippets of footage I've ever seen of him. So, but you know, I'm sure the guy's done like loads of charity live streams, this and that, and etc. And I'm sure he's done good in this world. But if if that is what your channel is based on, like just shocking people and this and that. And as you say, satire is something very hard to get. I mean, he's just some random, I think he's 28 or something, 28-year-old geezer from Sweden. Like, he's not a, you know, professional comic or something like that. So to deal with subjects that are that delicate and that heavy, you can't do that in, especially YouTube, where YouTube commenters are just probably like 14-year-old kids and just say the most obscene of things. Nothing can be, nothing, you know, it, it, nothing can be highbrow on YouTube, so you're not going to get that educated satire out of it. It's like, and as you say, I mean, he's had the time to, it wasn't a live stream, he's had the time to make those videos, make that content, to put it up. It, it, you know, that was predetermined, that was um, that was planned. I mean, the only YouTuber that I watch is Markiplier, and that's mm. just I don't watch all of his videos or all of his things, it's just basically the horror games that I ain't gonna play I watch him play mm. for it because I, I watched him several years ago and it's like, oh this geezer's alright and then, you know, just continue from there but, he he's just like, I mean, pull it pull it, um, you know he's probably got an audience who are quite young um, but, his is all just basically dick jokes and that's it <laughs> that's probably most of his jokes but everyone likes a good dick joke, but people are not going to like Nazi, you know, racist jokes and stuff like that. So it's like, you can keep it clean and still be an entertaining person who's successful <laughs> Sorry, on YouTube. Lucy, who do- I yeah. love that you, your, your, your support of you can keep it clean is, all he does is dick jokes. But those are clean, you know? <laughs> Look, you, you don't They're know the washing her. habits of all those dick owners. <laughs> there could be some dirty cocks out there. Um, so uh, on the, the internet, there's definitely the things, a load of dirty cocks out there. Yeah, <laughs> one of the things that you touched on was PewDiePie's um, uh, viewership tends to be quite young, and I think that's a thing that we actually have to pay attention to when you're doing this edgy stuff and you're picking mm. things that are like these young people have are are very out of touch with historically because it's it's like the uh, you know almost a century ago. Um, and so it seems like this historical thing, and then to to make fun of or make light of it, it you know, you're 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 these are impressionable people, and you can pick anything objectionable. But to continue continuously go back to this well when these people are, are are new and impressionable, and you know they don't have grandparents who who were affected because the, their great grandparents would have been the ones who were affected, and that means it's easier to not really understand the gravity of the situation. Yeah. And I think that's important. I agree with that, yeah. but He's got this 50 million subscriber base of mostly youth. Um, yeah, because if we that's... hear a... Yeah, if we hear an anti-Semitic joke on, I don't know, have I got news from you from, like, Frankie Boyle or something like that, we, you know, we're educated enough and old enough to understand that this is just a joke and this is, you know, it's not acceptable or anything like that. It's simply satire it's a joke it's humor whereas the context as you say, of... these kids are impressional oh, and it, yeah you're right the context 
And as I said, nothing can be highbrow in YouTube. It's like people compete to be the first person just to write first in the comments. It's like you, you're not going to get any. It's just it just seems pointless. And um, like one another YouTube channel that I watch it, this girl called Simone Gertz, I think, and she makes like crappy robots. <laughs> she literally got yeah she she literally got dropped from her sponsor. Just for saying the f word, I think in her in in her one of her videos, and really, she always swears, and it's like sometimes you do think, do these sponsors actually research these people? Mm-hmm. Do they actually research the channel, or do they just see the traffic it brings and think, yeah, okay, we'll we'll sign on the dotted line and that's it? But but yeah, I think she just said the f word, but it's like she always says that or something. It was something stupid. It might have been another dick joke. Who knows? But it was something <laughs> that was so tame, and she got dropped from her sponsor for that. So it doesn't but, really surprise me that Disney pulled out, you know? Another dick joke there. Yeah, yeah, oh, you got there. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, are your, uh, what are your final thoughts on this, Adam? Um, I guess the one thing that I, I did want to try not to rant about, but um, I think it's very telling that the people who are sort of staunch um, supporters of... Uh, PewDiePie and and sort of this GamerGate um, support, it seems very much the same set of arguments, which is why I'm locking them together. I'm being very charitable and saying it could be two different types of people. But is this idea of of crying censorship because people are complaining? Um, And I think Mm. that's the big takeaway that um, people need to understand that freedom of speech is not freedom from criticism. And yes. this idea that because a group of people don't agree with you and say it loudly, that they that these social justice warriors are being censors, and then your response is they should all shut up and they shouldn't be allowed to have their opinion, is hilarious and confusing because the logic belies me. Like, how can you call censorship on criti- criticism and in the same sentence say the critics shouldn't be allowed to talk? It, it's it's mind-boggling, but it's it is the world we live in. As as Lucy, you were yeah. saying that like yeah. there's the the this is the world we live in. And I think sort of uh, those of us who want to actually have a conversation with people and figure out where where things lie uh, need to be aware that this is the rhetoric that's going to be used, and we have to figure out a way of like not just jumping into the baited trap because it seems like they've got these sort of trope answers at the ready and then you just go into a cycle of um of of commentary that gets ultimately nowhere because they just retry the same oh it's censorship oh it's a joke oh blah 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 yeah. and then and then no you just can't take a joke and you people you're not even a jewish person so you can't be offended by something that's anti-semitic yeah because yeah, that's how mm. offense works um yeah, yeah so <laughs> it's, yeah it's yeah, it's a it's a difficult one. I mean, censorship is probably something we should return to as a much larger, broader topic um, in We're a later episode. But <laughs> you cannot talk about that. Um, let's let's end there on that immensely light and high, fluffy note. Um, Lucy, the two beers yes. that you had, which did you prefer this week? It's got to be the Yeasty Boys, the Big Mouth Session IPA. I mean, the um, Crafty Devil Melon one was, it was nice, but um, I think it's just eclipsed by this uh, 
yeasty boys one. I mean, um, very hoppy. It's very zesty. It's uh, yes, the deal. Oh, I, I was just going to ask if uh, if, if that, mm. uh, you were maybe suffering from a yeast infection. <laughs> what? Hey, that's not even a good pun. <laughs> hey, it, I'm just saying it doesn't all have to be dick jokes. It could be vetch jokes too. <laughs> You're infected by the tasty yeast. Come on, like move on. Adam, what was your favorite beer? <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I, I'm an idiot. Um, this idiot's favorite beer is the Wild Goose Chase. Uh, I was actually, given the sort of relation to sours, uh, I am surprised that I'm saying that. Um, I think, uh, but it, it just does what it does really well. And like, like uh, Ben, you were saying, it, it's like sour light. It does the zinginess mm. that's sort of intriguing about sours, but not the everything else that we hate about sours. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the Bristol Beer Factory um, uh, American Pale Ale or U.S. Pale Ale, I should say, Independence. Um, it just didn't. It didn't do anything over and above um, sort of a pale ale, a U.S. Pale Ale. Like it does have that okay. extra hoppiness you, from the American style pale ale versus just a pale ale. Um, and mm. it did it did have that interesting finish, but that was just sort of like a very textural thing. But the taste itself wasn't leaps and bounds uh sort of or even that much different it just sort of was a very standard beer in that sense yeah so fair enough. I'll, I'll go i'll go wild this week nice nice oh. um, i'm gonna go the opposite and go with the um heifer from bristol beer factory um that that it's a very refreshing beer and i think as i said after i'd had a few sips of it it's definitely one that i could kind of while away the afternoon with um it's got a lovely spiciness which just plays really well off of that initial sort of wheaty, malty kind of sweetness that it has. Um, one of the better Bristol Beer Factory beers, I think, that I've had. Um, but very nice, enjoying that very much. Um, so that is it for a week. If people want to get hold of us, they can do so in lots of different ways. We're Tanked Up Cast almost everywhere. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Tanked Up underscore cast. On the emails, it's Tanked Up Cast at gmail.com we're on facebook we're on youtube um i'm at nova underscore 47 and adel is at the omni arc everywhere on all the things as he would say as i'm stealing except... his thunder yeah except twitch although that one there's an underscore somewhere isn't there um yeah it's lucy. the underscore omni arc there we go there we go lucy how do people get hold of you uh just add me on xbox or playstation or steam Juicy Loose 9, and possibly in a few weeks on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, yes, but you might have a code. There might not be a code. God knows. It's Nintendo, so who knows? Who knows? We won't go there. Next time Lucy guest stars, um, make sure to bring a pad of paper so you can write down the 17-digit code <laughs> that is Lucy on the Switch. <laughs> yes. Nice, nice. So, good. Thanks for coming, guys, for another week. We have been tanked up. Take it easy. Bye. 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 Yeah, bye. Delayed bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Chap, 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 bye. Chap, bye. Chap, bye. No, you put the phone down. Okay, I'll put the phone down. Uh, I assume we're all prepared with beers and some such. Yeah.
Wait, what? Biz. I thought we were doing no no games. No, no games. Biz. We're just going to talk about animals. Oh, no, I thought we were doing just topics. Oh, very good. Yes, well done, sir. Yes. Good callback to chat. Har, har, I'm hilarious. Uh, especially uh, when I've had a bottle of Prosecco in me and I'm babbling like nonsense about <laughs> Doctor Who. The job I don't think, yeah. He'd be like, you're off the pod. It's true, he'd be upset. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah, well. Fascist. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know what the outtake's going to be this week. Adam Thomas is a fascist. So I've heard. Maybe it's his native man that's done it to him. Um, let's start, I suppose, before we get too deep into racism. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, is a, this isn't racism. This is just a personal okay, attack. Yeah, that is very true, yeah. yeah. I have nothing against... Yeah. Unless Adam is, is a race in and of himself. Yes. 